Welcome to Movie Maniacs. Mike Rags and Chuck Curry discussing the greatest movies of all time and all the new films in theaters and streaming that you need to know about. Like us, rate us, share us. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Rags and Chuck Curry. All right, we are back. Another edition of Movie Maniacs. Mike Rags, Chuck Curry talking about the great world of movies after a couple weeks off for vacation in the middle of the summer and lots to talk about, including the summer movie slate that just keeps raking in big bucks at the box office. And we lost a great one this week, and we'll recap his career in just a little while. James Caan passes away at the age of 82. Actually lost a couple of uh, character actors as well. We'll get to that later on. Uh, but let's bring him in now, Chuck. Uh, how, would you, how have you been? We haven't talked in a couple of weeks. I'm, I'm good, Mike. I'm trying to enjoy the summer. I don't know if it feels complete like the summer. I remember with, with, with I don't know, I can't explain it. Post-COVID, things still feel, even though I don't think about COVID personally. Right. I just, it has a weird feeling to me. I can't explain it. Well, I tried talking to people. I actually tried talking to my therapist a few times about this. She doesn't understand it either. Okay. I'm just kidding. I didn't know if you really wanted to get into that tonight, but okay. Um, let's talk about people are going Not back really. to the theaters um, and, and, and a lot of money they being are. made. Um, let's start with Thor. But now I know you got a chance to see it. And we'll talk about it in a second. But first off, what can we expect uh, at the end of the take here for Thor? It's blowing past expectation in terms of tracking. It's tracking around 135, 140 million. It was tracking around initially like 110, 115. So there's no doubt there's a pent up demand for at least big tentpole popcorn movies. People want to go out to the movies to see these big films. Now, the question is, we stated, you know, many times over the last few years, are they going to go consistently with product that's not massive movies? You know, if they release. Uh, something for a $50 million movie that's more character-driven or less, are people going to show up to theaters? We don't know that yet because that's really not what's being released. Every film released in the last three, four months has just been a big popcorn movie. So those movies are doing well. Some are doing incredible, incredibly well. If you look at Top Gun Maverick, Mike, I movie like since Titanic in 97. I mean, you're talking 13% drop off week to week and weekend number five. Films done 1.2 billion worldwide. I never, and I I never would have predicted that at a Top Gun Maverick. Would you? No, I don't think they knew that Paramount either. And I think, I think COVID helped the take of that movie to tell you the truth. Um, and I, we learned a couple things too. Um, word of mouth still works. Um, and two, People keep going back that like people will see the same movie again in a theater because that's the only way you explain the 13 percent drop off. Yes. Oh, new audiences go, it, But it people to. are going back. Yes. You're getting repeat viewing this film. There's absolutely no doubt about that. You know, when a movie has that kind of legs on on high on a high number, and we're not talking about a movie that opened at 15 and then the second week does 12 or 11. We're talking about a movie that, you know, goes from. 55 to 43 million in, in another week uh, it's that's it's a stunning number and i don't know if any, any people in the industry they have to be perplexed in the, in the best of ways because um it, it's good news and like i said you know thor is gonna is is doing really well this weekend i mean i guess the question is now going forward and you know, elvis is not a big uh you know shoot him up 
movie and uh, it's performing very well. Very well. So yeah, it's, it's all good. It's I would all say good. I would say the only movie that's maybe a little under expectations is Lightyear. And maybe a lot of that has to do with, you know, maybe yeah, going to the going is, to the I well agree. a little bit too much. I, I don't know what the answer to It's a good movie. It's not a bad movie. Um, I, I don't I can't explain it, you know. It wasn't that long ago where and we got two stories. Minions had a great weekend. Last it week. did. $143 million opening. It's great. great that's, an, uh, that's a great weekend. Yeah. I, those are all positive signs that things, but you're right. It's these, it's like I saw the trailer for George Clooney and Julia Roberts, an October comedy released by Universal. They play exes who try to I stop their. So that's the kind of movie where in the 80s, yeah, two big stars in a in a romantic comedy that would do well I, post COVID. Well, is that- well, like, but, but here, but here's the thing we'll see which Shannon obtaining and Sandra Bullock did has done 110 million, right? Yeah. And that's a good number. I thought that movie was a complete fluff piece, even for that genre, for that standard. I mean, I personally, I watched that movie in a theater. I, I watched it with a couple of friends who were having a birthday party. So I walked in, I didn't pay for it. Um, not that I'm cheap, but I'm just saying, and it, it was like, I, I get light, but that was beyond light for me. It was like, I don't even know why, would, why, why you'd produce it. That's just my opinion. So, but I like the genre. I, you know, the trailer to Clooney Roberts, that's big star pairing, right? right. Even at, you know, at this stage in the game for them. Uh, let's see how that plays out. Oh, the last time we saw them was that money movie, right? That uh, he was the the guy on TV and uh, being yeah. held hostage. Remember that? Uh that was a po- yeah, pre-COVID I mean, movie. Timmy did, I, but, I was mixed on that film. Yeah, that movie just kind of laid flat most of the two-hour running time. But um, it'd be interesting to see how those two pull in the box office. Um, well, your thoughts on Thor? Uh, let's get to that because it's uh, obviously here, here. Here's a deal. I I, I knew going in. Here, well, let me just preface: my expectation level was like, I, you know, I don't look at Thor like I go. If I walked into a new Spider-Man movie or Avengers movie. So my expectations are not overly high. So I knew going in, I, I read a lot of the advanced buzz reviews that it, it plays with a lot of comedy. Now, I'm not a fan of a Ragnarok, which a lot of people seem to love. I thought that was silly uh, and, and it wasn't involving it. Like it lost my interest throughout a lot of its running time. So I'm in, I'm, I'm in the minority on that one. So I walk in, I'm like, okay, let me just see what this is about. And I got to tell you, surprisingly, I was very entertained. And it did hold my attention throughout its entire running time. I think, here, here you're going to laugh at this. It almost felt like, it felt like I was watching History of the World Part 2. And the movie was directed by Mel Brooks. Really? That over the like top? Like his line delivery. It, yeah, at, t- at times, but but around the edges, it's grounded in enough serious stuff where the balance for me worked a lot better in this film than Thor Ragnarok. Now, his comic timing, Chris Helms' work, is not good. It's not really good. It's like super good. Like yeah. He's so relaxed on, on screen. He's so comfortable in his job, in his craft. And the people around him, play off him beautifully. Tessa Thompson, Natalie Portman is really good in this movie. Seeing her back as Jane Foster, who's now a Thor, a Thor, she wields a hammer. Christian Bale is really menacing as the villain, but he's like everything. Are, okay, and another thing. Russell Crowe is yeah. the god Zeus. And <laughs> this, is, this is played, 
this is this is like that to invite Mel Brooks on set to direct the sequence. Like <laughs> it's played for, for complete tongue in cheek laughs. And Dame comes back. He does what he did in Thor Ragnarok. He's back making a cameo in a few scenes. And but the Russell Crowe sequence is it's like the it's like, like the I Dom DeLuise sequence funny. in the history of the world. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm not kidding. Yes, it is like and, and he, some funny lines. Like he says, this is Thor. He says, relax. He goes, you're not going to be invited to the orgy. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I'm like, holy, like they're going, they're going in these places. But having said that, there's enough stuff around the edges to, to like contain what's going on with, with the state. The sticks are at least real enough right. where like I enjoyed balance and like I had a good time watching. Like I not like, look, if they did this with Batman, I'd be furious. Right. But with Thor, I was like, he's so good in his line delivery. Like that, that sequence, the sequence in in uh, Avengers Endgame at the end when he's with uh, the Gaudy when he, when he when he's with uh, Chris Pratt, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Star Lord, and and he's and he and he's bantering back and forth about you know who's in charge here. When you watch that sequence, Chris, Chris, his con, he's incredible in that sequence. If you like that tone, right? He's incredible in this yeah. movie. If you get that tone, if you like, so there's going to be some people like, ah, uh, you know, I don't want like Thor being completely funny, but I don't can't explain for this film. This tone just works so much better for me than in Ragnarok. I can't explain why. I don't know my, my expectation level, but I sort of had a good time. I sort of enjoyed it because I, I guess I accepted it and I had a good time watching it. Thank you. I, you know, I give it like a seven and a half out of ten. Well, I need to. I mean, he was, but, you know, Fat Thor was funny in, in the Endgame movie. I mean, that was really. And, and if but, you hey, saw- let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. There's a scene in this. There's a scene in this movie where where Zeus, Russell Crowe, <laughs> he, he, he weighs like a magic one, and he strips Thor of his clothes, right? Yeah, it's in the trailer. Holy yeah, yeah, yeah. smoke, Mike. Yeah. Mike, this guy, I, I don't know. He, this guy is in, in stunning physical shape in this yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. Like stunning physical shape in this movie. He's actually quite funny in the Vacation reboot with Ed Helms. He's got a couple good yes. scenes in that. He's very and funny. And listen, he's also funny in in the Ghostbusters female Ghostbusters yeah. Yeah. in the yeah. Annie Potts reverse role. Right. So well, we all know how we you like that he's one. Very talented. Yeah, you like that movie. I remember that one. Yeah. I did. But you want to know something? He, for whatever reason, he only for me he works really well as Thor, especially yeah. in the Avengers movies. Oh my like gosh! You put him in another movie, another action movie. I don't think he works as well. Not even close. Um, all right, it's well, interesting. It's a, I, did, it's, I did enjoy it. I did. Enjoy it's enough it. to maybe get me to see it. Um, let's talk about some movie news. I guess the biggest things that's come down the pike this last couple of weeks is <laughs> it's big news to somebody, but not us. James Cameron not going to do Avatar four and five. Um, what exactly has he been working on for the last 15 years then that we're just going to get three from him and that's it. That's uh, too, too many for me. At least uh, too many. Yeah. What a, what a waste of talent. Just a complete waste of talent and time. I don't get it. I don't get it either. What do you think about? And now we've talked uh, in the past about, you know, there's only one Wolverine and it ended, you know, with uh, with Hugh Jackman. And, and but 
Mm-hmm. Th- there was casting I heard maybe this week at, that m- sparked my interest a little bit. Taron Edgerton actually met with Marvel to play Wolverine. Something about that intrigues me, Chuck. And I don't know why. I really, I, I really me like too. him. That might you work. You know why? It will work and it will happen. I, I don't. I don't think you meet with these type of people on his status. I think they'll do that, and I think it. Uh, I don't see any reason not to. I mean, listen. I, I think you cannot recast Iron Man, not in this decade at least, but you can recast Wolverine, in my opinion, it's because I, I think what they did with Wolverine and Logan, and that was. Great movie. Yeah. James Mangle, who's the director of the new Indiana Jones film. That was a terrific movie. I mean, terrific. That was a um, I think that was a, what they did with that character. And that, you know, they made an R-rated Logan. It was a really good movie. So smart. Move. I, I think, you know, it, it, it completed the cycle. It completed the cycle. Um, so I, I, I think this, I like this move. I, I'm, 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 I'm on board. They do it. And I, my gut feeling is I think it'll happen. Um, and last, but for me, um, I did see Ethan Hawke made a documentary on Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward called the last movie stars. Oh, really? I can't wait to see that. That'll be HBO max is going to, is going to, pr- they, they dropped the trailer, a documentary on Paul Newman. I mean, who doesn't need something like that? That's cool. I like that. We'll turn our attention to um, to uh, this day in movies. And this is where Chuck picks. Oh, I, I was going to I was going to ask you, I didn't get a chance to watch Stranger Things season. Oh, my God. It's so good. Yeah, it is really good, Chuck. Um, really. And and let me tell you something. This is not a spoiler. They're setting things up for a season five. I mean, there's going to be another season. There's no doubt about well, it. Well, No, they say they announced there is going to be another season. And, that will and, be the final season and they also now, announced it had like a billion plus minutes minutes watch whatever that means yeah it's a, it hit all the notes it needs to hit it's really good i mean that these these duffer brothers they know what they're doing they and and uh maybe there's too many characters in these uh, in this series but you know when you're dealing with these types of episodes um maybe it needs to jump around it, it's really good um and uh the real interesting thing will be what who comes out of this series and has an extra career we know David well, Harbour. Good, good question. You know David Harbour right. will. He, he he's going to be a star. David Harbour will because he's already done movies and he's been Hellboy and all that stuff. So Hopper's going to be a star. This kid Joe uh, Joe Keery who plays Steve on it. I think he's he's done a couple other films. He was actually in Free Guy. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a star. Millie Bobby Brown's going to be a huge star. Um, that why? might tell me why, why, why she just why got a tri- she be a huge star, She's no. obviously got range to do um, two different types of roles. She's done the the okay. Sherlock Holmes and Nola Holmes the show on Netflix movie. That was really good. Um, she's gorgeous. Um, she's very young. She's got a lot of talent. She's going to last the kid that plays Mike. He's been in the Ghostbusters movie, and uh, I just I don't see the appeal there outside of Millie Bobby Brown and maybe David Harbour. I think those two are leading the pack right now. Let's put it yeah, that way. I, I agree. A couple I, of the I, other, I you know, the funny characters, the Dustins and the Lucases, I, I, they're so awkward right now. It's hard to tell if they're going to come out of that stage, you know, being able to appeal mass audiences. I hate to say that Dustin's very appealing and he can clearly act, but they're all going through that late teen stage of puberty. It's hard to tell what they're going to come out on the other end. There is another star, Sadie Sink, who plays Max on the show. 
who really stands head and shoulders above the rest of the cast in these last couple episodes, too. So I think she's got a future. So that's the real interesting thing. Um, you know, they could stay in this soft spot of a TV series for a long time. The question is, who emerges after it? Because it doesn't you know, a lot of times these 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 explosive shows, Chuck, they don't produce a lot of stars after it. They these these kids and these shows like this sometimes fizzle out. So but it's great. Hits all the high notes. It, it, it I mean, it, a lot like J.J. Abrams, you could tell these two guys grew up in the same decades we grew up, Chuck, and they appreciate the movies that we appreciated growing up in. Um, so they, it shows on the screen when they deliver. And Sean Levy plays a big part in the development of this show as well. And he's always had a lot of talent in the industry. So it's in good hands. It's always going to it's always going to deliver. It's, it's hard to drop the ball when you got so many people that care about their product so much. So you want more. I will. Yeah, I do want more. I do. You know, a lot a lot of this series, all the characters aren't together until the very end. And then when they finally get together, like, well, crap, I like it when they're all together. And, and I think that's what's going to end up happening in the next season. And they brought in some new characters, too. They're very appealing. Listen, my daughter's hooked. She's 12 years old. She can't stop talking about it. I can tell you that much. It's 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 got its hook. That's, that's in. a good thing. I like I like yeah. that. Yep. Um, it, 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 I just wish it was on the big screen. Movies like that hook you in. Oh, by the way. I introduced her to uh, two great comedians uh, last night. You'll get a kick out of it. Speaking of Iron Man, um, we watched Back to School last night. Her first oh, venture cool. into Rod- cool. Ronda yeah, Rodney Dangerfield. She liked it. I said, you know, that's Iron Man there. She goes, who? I'm like, the kid right there. Um, Lutz. No. I'm like, yeah, that's and everything he does in that. He almost steals that movie, Chuck. You watch that movie over and over again. He's got four he's or five scene movie. stealing stuff. And then you, how good is Keith Gordon in that movie? He's though? really good. He's very down to earth. He really grounds good. that movie a lot. Um, you could tell that great, they, ca- great, listen, great casting. His casting up as Rodney Dangerfield. And, you know, and you know, it works there's, because there's, there's some movie magic there. And you almost forget William Zabka's in it. He plays the heel again. He's basically playing Johnny Lawrence. And um, yeah. and yeah, what yeah. she really liked and we watched some of his uh, stand up after it was Sam Kinison that she thought when he rips the chair out of the then throws it across. Oh, I mean, awesome. she was hysterical laughing. And when he's yelling, say it, say, I mean, and then I showed her some of his stand up. And oh, she, my God. You know, in a movie, in a movie theater back in 1986, that sequence, people were howling. They were oh laughing until they. They couldn't laugh anymore. I, I, I got to be honest. I hadn't watched in a long time. I was crying laughing at that scene because it just some of the small dialogue. You know and then when crazy Sam, Kin- Sam, Kin- Sam Kinison in that in that movie he was in real life. He was only in his mid 20s. It's crazy. It's crazy. And he's only in the film yeah. uh, to four minutes. I mean, it's it's only that. And he's at the end. He's got a little tag on. That's funny, too. But the, the impact he made not only on on the movie, but his career that that. That that movie helped his career and, so much too, and yeah, he owes it all to Rodney. And, and, I mean. uh, last, yeah, but the last question on the film, like, who who like it was almost genius to Sally Kellerman. Like, you don't yeah. know until yeah. maybe they did a screen test to her in Dangerfield. But, I mean, what beautiful casting that worked out beautifully. Yeah, it was well, very well cast, very funny, and Burt Young works in it too as Lou as as a driver. Uh, it, it, there's really yes. not many things wrong. It's, it's really his tour de force. It's his school of rock. It's Rodney Dangerfield's one movie where, you know, it, it, it that he Excellent. owns. Excellent and it's, point. Yeah, it, it, it's just made for him and built for him. And it, it really fits statement. like a glove. Yeah. All right, Chuck, let's go to this day in movie history. You pick the year. I tell you what's in theaters and we'll should, we'll give us a reaction. 
2007. Oh, you're going into the 2000s on me here, huh? All right, here we go. July 11th, 2007. Well, you got Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix coming out, and I believe that was one of the later ones, uh, the fifth installment of the Harry Potter seasons. Uh, we're both fans of that series, right? They, they did really well with all those. Um, yeah. Also out, a horror movie called Joshua with uh, Sam Rockwell, a movie called Captivity with uh, Alicia Cuthbert. Boy, what happened to her? Where'd she go, Chuck? I heard she, she's she's gonna uh, she just got cast in you know a, a streaming movie I just read, but yeah she was a daughter of Jack Bauer Keith Sutherland on twenty four you know became a name on that series then she did she did House of Wax a horror movie that yep. uh, you know made a couple bucks but in terms of having a long long a prosperous uh, of, of of good roles I sort of dried up quick. You also had the over 4th of July. You got to see Rescue Dawn with Christian Bale in a, in a war, uh, I like war that drama. Movie. Good flick. I actually and like that movie a lot. Chuck, the first Transformers movies was in theaters uh, uh, back in 2007. Which um, is let's... really the best, which is really the be best one by far. It is. But it boy, I never really got into that. I like Michael Bay, but no, I do. I, I, I did like the first one a lot in a theater. I, I enjoy that a lot. I think. You know, the sequel, the sequel stuck. The third one was better. The Mark Wahlberg ones were, oh my, like, why are you doing this? Like, it's yeah, just bombastic. Yeah. But I did, I did enjoy, I did enjoy the, uh, the, the Shia LaBeouf, Megan Fox uh, first one. I did like it. He was appealing in that. There, there's definitely no doubt about that. I, I also uh, wanted to point out License to Wed came out too as uh, alternative programming. And that was the Mandy Moore John Krasinski movie with Robin Williams as a priest, Chuck. I mean, that was uh, oh, I think yeah. they were trying to build on Krasinski's uh, office. And, uh, you know, you throw in Robin Williams as a as an Irish priest. Maybe we'll get some laughs, but I don't think anybody even went to see that movie. No, you know, it's interesting at that point in, in Williams career, like he's taking role, I'm going to say safe, but they are safe. And. He he. He needed better material than, than movies like that. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, all right, Chuck, let's do fast five is when I give you uh, five stars, uh, actors, actresses, uh, directors. And you tell me the first movie that pops into mind. Um, and we had two big okay. ones and that we've done shows on Stallone and Tom Hanks. Both have uh, birthdays this week, Chuck. So, I mean, it's kind of easy to say Stallone, Rocky, Tom Hanks. I, name one of his 50 movies that are great, right? Forrest Gump. I, get, I think the signature role of Hanks is Forrest Gump. Yeah, it's probably. Even though he's had such a great career. You're probably right. So let's do uh, a lot of character actors here, Chuck. Um, Brian Dennehy, first movie that pops into mind. He would have been uh, 84 years old this weekend. I'll say, I'll say, uh, I'll say First Blood because I think he was he's a very interesting villain and i think he he does it really well in that film yeah i i would agree with that the one movie that caveat is and he doesn't show up in the movie until like a half hour into it and they made a sequel but fx for some reason always stands out him and his uh his partnering I, up I thought of that with too. brian brown i mean that's a real good slick movie and i always think of that and it of is. course i mean i think the first one the first one's terrific the second one 
I think it's an interesting, but it's a misfire. It's a misfire. See, I, like I, I would I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, and he's also Tommy Boy's dad. <laughs> right. I mean, that was he is good, that great was casting. casting, great casting. How about how about Chris Cooper, Chuck? Another great character actor, Oscar winner. Uh, he is 70. Can I can I say can I say one thing before we move on? OK, there was a time in that period when Brian Denny was a little younger that they talked about him, talked about a Gilligan's Island big screen movie. Would have made he sense. He would have been a great skip. He yep. would have been. And and Rick Moranis is Gilligan. In that period, that would have been a fun film. Yeah, I mean, that they, been they fun. made the two Brady Bunch movies really good. Yeah, they so. did. They did. Sherwood Swartz, right? Uh, yeah, they did. Um, what yep. about Chris Cooper, 71? I got one that pops in mind right away. Uh, the Patriot popped in my head. Oh, that's an oldie. He's um, done better though. Um, mine's yeah. October Sky through and through. The dad and that. I mean, God, he's and and he's yeah, so he's good. Really good. How old is how old is he? He's seventy one years old. And I loved him in Adaptation, which okay. he won the Oscar for too. He's really good. Always solid. Always solid. Um, Ned Beatty, Chuck, who we lost last year, would have been 80, 85 this year. Um, oh, it, it, a lot it, for me. It's Rudy. It's just Rudy. I mean, he's done so, a lot of good work, but it's it is you know Deliverance and Superman. I mean, uh, Otis, Otis. Rudy. Yeah, for me, it's Otis. I mean, <laughs> Otisburg, Otisburg. <laughs> and the funny thing is, we talk about talk about. I'm surprised. Listen, I, I I think the reason Rudy for me is because at that point in his life in career, he's done a lot of work, right? And he started working later in his life. I, Deliverance is his first film, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. And he's not like you know, he's not in his twenties. Um, Rudy feels like the culmination of respect, and he just—he's great as Rudy's father in that film, in my he, opinion. He is good, and bring up Back to School. Don't forget, he plays Dean Martin and <laughs> Dean Martin and yeah, Back to School. He's <laughs> really funny. He's funny, and he got yeah. in late in life. He got in the Toy Story. He was lots of love. He was one of the villains in Toy Story Three. Did a great job in that film. An absolutely fantastic job. Um, Billy Crudup, Chuck who's got uh, a real interesting career, probably should have been a bigger star than he is 54 years old this weekend. I mean, the first thing that pops into my mind, well, I is think a big fish, big fish, big right? Fish. But remember back but, in the day, here, here's the thing when they were. Ca- yeah, he was uh, he was in uh, the, the 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 movie Sleepers, right? It was one of his first roles, and I thought he was really going to take off after that. Never really hit the ground. Well, a, lot running after that. A, a lot of a lot of people. A lot of people predicted uh, it would be he would emerge a big star in the industry. It didn't really happen. He's respected, but I remember in '97 when they were casting Titanic, and the role ultimately went to uh, Jack Dawson, went to Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, he, James Cameron seriously uh, Billy Crudup is the lead in that film. That would have been it would have been interesting. I mean, I, yeah. Was the right choice, yeah. I mean, you can't go wrong there, and he's actually yeah. very good in the morning show, Billy Crudup. And I believe no. he got a, I believe he got a Golden Globe nomination for that, too. He's really good in that, uh, the morning show. And last but not least, and I found it interesting, Kevin Bacon is going to be starring in a uh, camp, uh, 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 slasher uh, show, um, uh, coming on, I believe it was Hulu, I saw it. It's called They Them, um, which is coming out later this year, but it all started with Kevin Bacon back in. The Friday the Thirteenth days. When I say Kevin Bacon, the first thing and only thing I think of is Ren McCormick from Footloose. But there's tons to choose from. I agree. 
I agree. I mean, that would that, that's his signature. That is that is a, his generational signature role, right? But he's also one of those guys, Chuck, that every time you cast him, you get a perfect. I think it's tremors. I think it's tremors. Tremors, but you look at Apollo thirteen, uh, Mystic River. You cast him, you're going to get a great, uh, just a great actor, always on top of his game. And as um, a villain, as as, as a villain, I, I think a River Wild with Meryl Streep, which yeah, I think is an underrated movie. It is an underrated movie. He's he's done villain in the past, and and he can do now. Him, and he, now he you, know, you you you. You know, you brought this up to me, which is an interesting footnote for people listening may not know. When Fred Ward passed away a couple months ago, right? You said to me, you didn't know this, but I knew it, that they had shot uh, a Tremor TV show. A TV show, yeah. About four or five years ago. I think it was like five years ago. With with, uh, Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward, they shot a pilot for Netflix, right? Yep. I think it was Netflix, yeah. And it was – and Netflix passed on the pilot. And I'm saying, how bad could that a pilot be? You get Fred <laughs> Ward and Kevin Bacon. In a cult in, classic in a horror. Reboot. Yeah. And you, and you, when they're, when they're producing, when they're throwing money at garbage, right? They've been throwing money at garbage, right? Yeah. Just to get content. Like, I, I don't think it's really pilot, especially if the Fred Ward passed. Why not? Let us see it. Yeah, it's really, really, it. really weird stuff. All right, Chuck. Well, the back half of this show, we're going to talk about the great career of James Conn. Before we do that, um, we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up a couple other past. I guess it does happen in threes. I'm not as, uh, you know, not as big a stars as James Conn, but Larry Storch, who is 90, was 99, passed away this week. And the only reason I bring up because how many people listening um, Saturday or Sunday mornings after church, F Troop was on and then you got ready for some football. Yeah, on WPIX Channel 11. I got to be honest, it's a long time ago. But what I do remember about Larry Storch is he's a prime example of the convention circuit where you get a guy like this who's in his late 90s and they're, and they're propping him up at conventions to sign yeah. autographs. And he's probably getting $25, $30 a pop, right? <laughs> which, 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 which shows you that like your autograph of these shows is, I mean, this is, this is a, I, I think 10 years ago was bigger, but uh, it, it is an amazing cottage industry for, for talent that by many circles has long been forgotten. Right. So uh, good for, good for him or good for the, anybody that, you know, can get a, get, you know, make, pay their mortgage, buy a condo off uh, going to these conventions and signing their name. I, yeah. I think it's cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, Tony Sirico died too, uh, affectionately known by most people as Paulie Walnuts on The Sopranos, Chuck, the typical Goomba guy. He would pop up in movies every once in a while. But his uh, his character outside of Tony was one of the more iconic characters in that oh. entire run of the series. Well, it was because um, here's the thing. Here was a guy that was uh, in front of the camera on that show, extremely comfortable in character. Like it was so natural. His line delivery is funny. He bounced off the other actors beautifully. Uh, Michael Imperiali said he did probably his best work on the show in all those scenes. I mean, they had great banter. Tony and Paulie, you know, the show's iconic, and he was a big part of that uh, that legacy. Why that show was so brilliant and so entertaining and so well done. Uh, you know, it, again, you know, every time we talk about these, the passing of, of these people that we see on the screen both big and small you know it's extremely reflective 
Yeah, it really is because it really it really does show you, you know, in a blip of an eye, how fast. I mean, Sopranos has been off the air for a while, for right? For a long time. Yeah. And, and um, a lot of people consider so quick. a lot of people consider the episode with him and Michael Perioli in the woods is the best episode of the series. It doesn't even have Tony in it. And it's just the two of them yeah. in the, you know, uh, going out in a hit. I mean, that's a lot to say about an ancillary character in a big, uh, big time series like that, that the kind of impact that it lasts. And now and, and what's really cool. What's really cool about that episode is it had no closure, right? It, it, it was it had no closure. The Russian mobster who they were looking for, uh, who was wounded, they never found him. That, and and there was always speculation, is he ever going to come back? Like down the road, never did. And But they did, you know, David Chase was notorious. Like in real life, not everything has an answer. Well, he proved right? that on not the final episode too, right? He, he proved that right. on the I very mean, last he, episode. But here's the thing. Acquaintances that you meet in life, people that you... You, you meet a few times to speak to you don't sometimes that's it you don't yeah. see them ever again yeah real and he scripted a lot of that stuff but but yeah I mean that's 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 a bummer of a passing and and, and uh you know people are gonna rediscover or discover the sopranos on HBO max for many years to come and when they do they're gonna know this guy was uh, extremely entertaining as that character. No doubt about it. Um, it, it, it was a star making a role for him, no doubt about it. And he actually has got a very funny short run on Family Guy when they killed um, <laughs> they killed the dog Brian off the series, and they got a new dog Vinny. Um, it was voiced by <laughs> Tony Sirico, and is very, very, very funny. Um, one tough guy passes away. But a, an iconic tough guy passed away too, Chuck, and we're going to go through his career. And that was James Conn, born in the Bronx, of course, uh, dad of Scott Conn, who would have a moderately successful career so far in the industry. But let's, you know, he did a lot of TV stuff and he was in, you know, a, a few movies back in the 60s and stuff. We're going to skip all that and jump right to the where it all started. And it really wasn't The Godfather in 1972. It was a little TV movie right before that that came out, Chuck. That really turned a lot of heads and talk about how important Brian's song is in the lexicon of not only sports movies, but TV movies and tough guy movies. Well, here's the thing, you know, back in the day when a network produced a TV movie that they felt, oh, okay, this is good stuff, right? They knew they had something good because it was based on a, on a novel. So it had good source material. They cast really well, Billy D. Williams and James Caan, uh, had really good chemistry in this telepic. But here's the thing. When they, when, 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 when they, these telepics back in this time period were really well marketed and this got a massive audience uh, in its initial airing. I, I don't know exactly what the audience is, but I'm going to predict 50 to 75 million people tuned in to watch this TV movie. And it was really good. And it pulled at the heartstrings and, uh, James Conn was really good in it. Brian, uh, Billy D. Williams is really good in it. And uh, it's a good story. It's emotionally powerful. And uh, yeah, it was a big part of James Conn's career. No doubt about it. Well, you bring it up. It was the most watched television show in 1971 made for two made, most watched made for TV movie ever at the time. Thirty two point nine share. It got Chuck 48. Oh, uh, then, yeah. then, then, it, then it had to get around 100 million people. Yeah, it, it was only surpassed. It was surpassed the, by the Night Stalker a few years later. But I mean, you're talking about 
And it made it okay for guys to cry, right? I was a part of it too. It was like the first tearjerker where it was okay for a guy to break down and cry in it. And you you said it, great casting, great source material, and it really made him a star. Now, let's face it. If he doesn't do The Godfather right after it, who knows what happens? Because his turn right. as Sonny is pretty freaking iconic, Chuck. I mean, you talk oh, about yeah. the star power in The Godfather, right? And you got Marlon Brando, you got Al Pacino, Robert Duvall, all these great characters. But in that original Godfather, there's one that has more energy, more power, and just more pull. The one you care well, about the feels, most, it's Sonny. His character, his character feels different than the other characters for right. whatever reason. Right. It just feels different because, you know, he's a hothead and, you know, he's explode, you know, he's explosive. And uh, usually that doesn't end well. No, and, and it didn't end well for that character, for him <laughs> as, as at all. Um, but and he's you know, you think about it. He he dies relatively early in that film too, Chuck. It, you know, it, you talk about screen time, he's, but he's got such iconic moments when he beats the crap out of his brother-in-law in the street. I mean, that is just unbelievable. Um, and when, you know, obviously the scene at the wedding too, which would, uh, I guess, spawn, um, you know, uh, the, 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 his, his child in the third one played by Andy Garcia. Um, and then of course his death scene, one of the best death scenes in movie history. Oh, it's incredible. That scene. And, 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 you know, it had audiences on the edge of the seat. Yeah, great. Yeah, he was and nominated. So well shot. It's so well. It's so well shot. He was nominated for best supporting actor in that film as well. He would go on after that to do an, another another film that people love, and I think it's very well made too. A lot of people cited as their favorite James Con movie, and that's uh, James Toback's The Gambler, Chuck. And I know you're a big fan of this film, which he did in 1974. I listen. I'm a huge fan of this film. I, I think this movie, without a doubt. One is very relevant, especially now with sports gambling at an all-time high, and you know, going on your phone to be able to bet any game you want. Um, he plays a New York, uh, a, a New York City prof- college professor who gets hooked on compulsive gambling, sports betting, and there's a scene in this, and it's I think it's a definitive movie on gam- gam- gambling addiction. There's a scene in this movie. Because I had issues in my life with different vices, and I dabbled in some sports gambling in my 20s and got me in some trouble. There's a scene in this film when he's sitting in a bathtub late at night listening to a Laker game on a wet coast, yeah. and he bets heavy on the game. And at the last second, he, he loses. Yeah. It has tremendous power. And if yeah. you know when, if you've ever gambled and lost, and a lot of people have, I mean, uh, and to one form or another, and it really doesn't matter. In a lot of ways, if you bet a thousand dollars on the game, or you bet five dollars on the game, when you lose, it's it just like it's an ego thing. Yeah, like it's it's more than the money. And in the movie, you know, the gambling addiction really has a lot more to do with just money. It, it, a lot of it comes down to a, a self, um, just a, a self will that you're smarter or better, and right. can't take away. Right? right, that's really what the addiction is. And, uh, and he captures he, it so well. He he's, he does, and and what makes this movie powerful is it has an ending that maybe not everybody might get. No, but I do. Yeah, I get right? it too. Yeah, he he's he he's, he, he's basically, I'm not going to give it away, but 
he he puts himself in a situation, right, that will scar him for the rest of his life on purpose. Yeah. It's very powerful. And it's really it's just really good movie. Like re- and they don't listen. No, I know they, they remade it with Mark Wahlberg. It's not even close. But no, here's the thing. Not. They don't make the rawness of seventy cinema. Uh yeah. it's uh, before it's before special effects. Right? It's before Star Wars. I think it's it just before it's before CGI. Star Wars. I think it's before Star it's, Wars it really comes down to. Right. And, and so, so movies are more movies in the seventies, which a lot of people call the golden age. And and there, you know, I love the age, but you know, seventies, it is there is a golden age to the seventies because it's raw filmmaking at its absolute best, and you get some of the best acting and best direction, storytelling, best scripting, and the gambler has all these things, and it's a terrific movie. And that same year, uh, we're talking about essential James Con movies. Um, we lost him at 82. The, that same year, he did a lighthearted comedy action movie. I actually enjoyed growing up, Freebie and the Bean, opposite Alan Arkin. They're very funny together in this cop, buddy cop movie before there were buddy cop movies ever made, Chuck. Um, Freebie and, that movie and the was Bean. Po- and that, movie was, that movie was popular, and it did well. And then he would star in a musical, a uh, funny lady with, uh, with with Babs, Chuck, uh, not too far, 1975. So he's shown his versatility, but the better movie in 1975. Yeah, but here's the thing. Here's, here, here's the thing. This is what's interesting. We'll, we'll talk about more as we go on. Here's what's interesting, interesting about James Caan. He, I, I think later in his career, which we'll talk about, he, he's, he's a sort of talent that doesn't fit into certain parts, right? Right. Like, I, I think... Like you look when when you, when you're looking to cast James Khan, you can't cast him in everything because he doesn't fit into everything because he has a very masculine persona tough about guy. him. He's a tough guy. He's like Bert. He he's sort of like he's sort of like Burt Reynolds times five. To an yeah, extent. without I, I mean, with the difference play. between him and Burt Reynolds, the, the Burt Reynolds always came across as a goofball in a lot of movies. So James, you, right? James Khan never really showed that sign. Of, but James Caan easily could have been to the deliverance role of Burt Reynolds. Oh, right? definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that would have been interchangeable. That's what I'm talking about. So like a movie like Funny Girl, Observer Barbara Streisand, you could argue like, was that the right role for him? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's true. But but um, you, you're, you're opposite a, a huge star at the time, obviously. I, I, there's yeah. a be- he made a better movie in 1979 and uh, 75, an iconic character um and that was rollerball as jonathan chuck uh this movie lasted with me i watched it a million times in the late 70s on hbo yeah Uh, rollerball is a fantastic futuristic movie the sequel sucked but this is a classic movie about a futuristic sport and he's the star in it chuck and i he doesn't talk a lot in this movie but boy does he's got a tremendous lot of power as jonathan yes this is a norman jewison movie um this movie was popular in theaters. It was um, very visionary. It was thought provoking and uh, it was really good. Also, it's in another seven- really good movie that he made in the yeah, 70s. He's perfect for the film. In 75, he did The Killer Elite, too. I remember seeing that one. That's a Peckinpah movie with Robert Duvall as the bad guy. He's the good guy. Um, real good stuff, Chuck, in 75. He played himself in silent movie in 76. He joined the all star cast of A Bridge Too Far, which I thought. He stood it out in that film too. Uh, all the characters in that film, he's trying to save a dying young soldier in it. He kind of is off in his own in that movie. 
Um, but he's very good in uh, in a bridge too far. He would uh, star opposite Jane Fonda in Comes a Horseman, a Western in 1978. Uh, he did a Neil Simon movie in 79. Chuck, you talk about a role you wouldn't necessarily think would be him. He's basically playing Neil Simon because there's an autobiographical pick with Marsha Mason. Um, chapter two in 1979 with James Caan as the lead is a little odd. Yeah. I, like I said, again, he not, he, he, he's not at, the, at this period where you could see this, the, the, um, the issue where he could be miscast in right. the wrong part. Right. I thought it was an interesting film in 1980. And if he is, here's the thing, if he is miscast and he was miscast in a few things, he sticks out like a sore thumb. Right. Right. Um, in 1980, he, directs his first movie and stars. And I thought it was an interesting concept. And I saw, I remember seeing it as a young kid hiding plain sight as he plays, he's trying to get his son, you know, his, his uh, kids go into witness protection. He's trying to find them. Interesting concept. Didn't find a big audience, but in 1981, he teamed up with Michael Mann, Chuck and thief is a hell of a great movie as he plays Frank in that, um, that, I just recently watched One it. Of it it's, it's as good as anything he's ever done. Anything he's ever done. He's so good in it. Yeah. And James Belushi actually works real well on that. Too. It Tuesday welds in that. Right. And, and the, he, he played, he, he plays off. They play off each other very, very well in that movie. Yeah. It's just, it's an iconic role by an iconic actor. He would play an angel opposite Jeff Bridges and Sally field. Do you remember? Kiss me goodbye in 1982, Chuck. I don't. Yeah, it was a lighthearted comedy where he he basically played uh, her first husband who died and and haunts her. Yeah, it didn't work. Then he would take a long time off, Chuck. That was 1982. Why? He, Here's a question. Why? Do you know why? Because I don't know why. I don't know the answer. I, I think here's here, this is just an observation. I think, again, he he's an interesting persona on and off screen. Right. And I think at that period, I think. A lot of casting directors now we're getting into the eighties. The industry's changing somewhat. I just think he was a harder he was a harder shoe to fit in. Well, and I think or he had foot to fit in a shoe. Yeah, I I do recall him having some drug issues too at the time, and some. I think his yeah. sister died, so he's going through some yeah. tough stuff. And it wasn't until yeah. uh, Francis Ford Coppola came back and said, "Hey, I got a role for you," and he came back pretty strong in Gardens of Stone, Chuck which was a, a decent Vietnam uh, a vet movie uh, right. back in the day at 1987, got him back on the horse. And then his very next movie, I think is one of the more underrated sci-fi movies. It ended up having a TV series. He opposite, he's opposite Mandy Patankin in alien nation. Who would have thunk this 1988 throwaway sci-fi cop movie would have some legs. Yeah. I mean, it did well. It caught on. It was thought provoking. Obviously, it's a metaphor for race relations, right? That's yeah. the, the concept. Well, because it's a pretty it. standard. It's just a Manny pretty Patankin, standard drug movie. It, it, it is. And Manny Patankin is very good. There's some good banter in the movie. And, and James Conn's really good. He plays off. He plays the material very, very well. But it, it does feel um, it feels this film, especially I remember when it came out, it feels like James Conn like morphed into another another decade. Yeah. Like it was like his introduction to a new decade. It's, and and it's it's interesting you would say that he'd have a small role in Dick Tracy is pretty funny and, as well. Um, but yeah. you talk about going into another decade and another 
uh, stage of his career. Cast as Paul Sheldon in Stephen King's Misery was the best career decision he ever made. And I'm sure some movie executives thought, James Conn, really, this is what we're going to do. And boy, did it work when he's smashing. They did. Yeah, when he's smashing Kathy Bates's head. Oh, my gosh, he's perfect for that movie. And and he underplays the role like he's not playing it. He's not playing, um, you know, he's not playing it like Sonny Corleone. No, he's downplaying his persona. And it works completely. But, you know, there were people who felt, ah, James, he's miscast. Why are you casting him in this film? But it's a great movie. Yeah. And uh, she's a, she's iconic. Oh, I know. And uh, I don't <laughs> when, care if he played it as Sonny Corleone. She's still the dominant character in this movie. When he's stuffing the papers in her mouth, telling him, eat this, you sick twist. I mean, it. it that Sonny Corleone comes out a little bit. It works so well. Yeah. I was cheering. Yeah. I remember cheering in the audience yeah, when yeah. he did that. It yeah. just uh, and it doesn't yeah. work if unless Kathy Bates is an iconic villain. And that's why it's so great. Oh, but uh, you need him in. A, and for the boys came out in 91, which is a big hit for him. Chuck, another one of those movies like what is he doing in a Bette Midler, uh, you know, uh, world, you know, uh, what do you call it? A musical, basically. Yeah, it's love interest for Batman. It was just an odd casting, but it worked that people like this movie. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And then in 1992, one of my favorite movies is <laughs> Honeymoon in Vegas. And let's not forget, it's very important to point out he's top billing in this movie. It is James Caan and Nicolas Cage and Sarah okay. Jessica Parker. But him is Tommy okay. Corman. I really love this movie, Chuck. We raved about this in the past, but this one is one of my favorite com movies. I, you like it more than I do. I like it. I, just, I don't love it. Um, and, 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 and then he starts just making movies for the heck of it, right? He's in the program, which is a big misfire for me. He plays a coach. It, it's not as in-depth as you'd yeah. want a college football movie yeah. to be. It's, yeah. it's fluff with Omar Epps. Uh, Halle Berry's actually in it too, and a I, bore fest of a movie with flesh and bone with Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan. I almost fell asleep in that movie. I hated it so much, Chuck. Um, then you know he's doing a couple movies here and there. Then he plays a villain for the first time in a while, and that's in a racer, Chuck. And when he, I remember when he came on screen, I'm like, oh, I didn't know James Caan in this movie. And then, oh, I didn't know James Caan's going to be the main villain in this movie. I think he works. The ending's a little wonky, but I think I liked him in a racer. Well, it's it's directed by um, what's his name? He did, uh, he did Chuck, Russell, Ray, Chuck Russell. Chuck Russell. Yeah, Chuck Russell. Russell. Yeah, Chuck Russell directed. He did the Blob remake. He's a really good director. A lot of twenty fours, in my opinion, a bigger career. But uh, yeah, I mean, Eraser is on an interesting period in Schwarzenegger's career. But I do like the film, and and I do like James Conant. And he he basically plays the same character in the same year as a villain in Bulletproof. People might remember this Damon Wayans, Adam Sandler comedy. Um, He plays a villain in that as well, Chuck. But it didn't have the same kind of impact with mass audiences uh, for people. And um, things would move along for him in the early 2000s, Chuck. Not a lot of uh, uh, hits for him. But another decade, another weird casting. And somehow it works. He finds a whole new audience. And now he's iconic because he'll be watched every Christmas for the rest of time because he's the dad in Elf. And again, yeah, you don't you don't no think doubt. you don't think it's good casting until you watch him in it and it actually works. What a great I mean, he should be kissing his agent on the cheeks 
for saying, talking him into doing Elf. He got a good one there, and and it introduced him to a new generation, right? Yep. And his and his uh, his star power persona really works well in this movie. It does. It does. Um, and his contained anger. Um, that he seems to do in a lot of movies and then explode every yeah. once in a while. And it works to great yeah. comic timing. And then when he actually sings at the end, he's got the big payoff at the end of this movie, Chuck, where he's singing, you know, the, the song to, to make the sled go. I, it works. Uh, and I can't picture anybody else in that role. You know, it, it, no, it, I agree. It's just amazing. And he built off of that to for the decade of the 2000s in a TV series that I know you're a fan of. And he was in Las Vegas for quite some. I think he did uh, five seasons, almost 100 episodes. Yeah, I mean, it was his first forte into TV. He was offered the role. I, I think it's a perfect vehicle because, you know, Las Vegas, he runs a casino. The show has a edge. He's able to do his edgy stuff on the show. You know, he's got. He's got power. His character has power. And he's he he's good in that. He's very comfortable in those shoes of a person with some power. And uh, I thought he played really well off Josh Dumal or Josh Dumal off off him and the supporting characters, Vanessa Marcel, who was in The Rock uh, and she was on General Hospital uh, before that. I like the cast a lot. This was a big time guilty pleasure for me. I was a big fan. I, I, I thought I thought it worked very well, very well. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago is because Tom Selleck would pop up on eventually right. as well. In and, the last season. And he, of course, out out. He didn't want to do it anymore. Now, the last decade or two recently, you've been in a lot of schlock on straight to video shelves with, with no video stores. So basically straight to sh- streaming. He right. did do a, he did do the, the voice in the, the cloudy with a chance of meatballs. So another generation gets to hear his voice for uh, forever as well. He plays the dad in that. Um, but outside of that, Chuck, he really do much outside of a couple of TV series and, and a few movies that really nobody's seen. But when I got the news that he passed away, um, it it kind of it struck a chord with me. You know, I didn't think it would. I agree. But it did strike a chord with you know, me. We, we, you know, I've talked about this in in, in doing different radio spots over the years. Like, you know, when Robin Williams passed, it was, uh, it was pretty powerful because I was a big fan and, you know, I hated to see the way he went out, but, uh, this feels, um, it feels a little surreal. Well, and a lot of it, a lot of it has to do with the fact, um, you talk about an iconic movie in the Godfather, right? And it, and it brings you back to yeah. a time and place when you're young and you're watching it and such an iconic character. And you you talk about it all the time on the show to watch people get old on the big screen. You just want to remember them in roles like Brian's song and the Godfather and even misery and, and stuff like that. You don't you don't want to see him age. And then when they go away and they're not going to be around anymore, I guess the one thing is, at least we have these movies, Chuck, um, at least we have. I think what we say about there's probably about eight or nine just great James Conn roles in movies. He didn't yeah, do a lot. He didn't do a lot of great work, but when he did, um, boy, does it resonate. Um, and agree. in different genres, comedies like Honeymoon in Vegas, mafia movies, a Godfather, um, six decades, six decades, Mike. six decades. And uh, and now your kids can watch him, too, with Elf. And I think there's such an important movie to basically cap his career with, because uh, like you said, it just touches a whole new generation that actually get to know who James Conn is 
and then maybe and, and then maybe go back and see his earlier work like Thief and and, and uh, the Gambler. Uh, and, and you the, and you know th- there's such a good body of work here in the nucleus that. You know, there's going to be a lot of James Conn festivals, especially yeah. in Los Angeles, the new, new Beverly and, and, and theaters like that. And and in, in New York City, uh, at some of these uh, film forum, you know, there's going to be some really nice uh, James Conn film festivals that are going to be really good. I got to be honest with you. I like his son, too. I mean, he was good in the Oceans movies. I, you know, obviously the Hawaii Five O. you know, he played Dano in that. I don't think he's going to have quite yeah. the career his dad had, but I think he's got some appeal. No, I on- think he he does. I think the difference is that uh, he's shorter. He's than, shorter than his father. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and I mean, let, that's really the biggest difference. It, it's hard to be a tough guy and be short, right? It's it, and and well, that's, you know, it just it, well, James Conn had a lankiness to him, right? Right. Yeah. Sort of taller and lankier. Um. So if you're picking the one movie. You're picking thief. Well, it's the god. It's a, well. It's the no, god. It's a god. It has it to is. be the Godfather. It is. But, but, yeah. but then I would. Then I would pick. Then I would pick the gambler, and then I would pick thief. Like yeah. right there. Yeah. They're and, right there. And Brian's song and misery is right in the. I mean, rollerball's great. I mean, rollerball's yeah. great. Yeah. I, I think we named like all the great said, ones. The ones. The home runs, the home runs. They're no doubters. That's what they are. You know, they're just no doubters. You say yeah. it, you know it, and it's great. It's not like, yeah, kind of like that. He was really good in the movie, wasn't it? No, they're all no doubt classics in so many different genres, uh, whether it's science fiction and alienation and rollerball or comedies. It, it just all worked uh-huh. uh, and, and just an illustrious career. And I'm glad we got a chance to talk about it. All right, Chuck, that'll do it. We'll do this again a week from today. You have yourself a great week. To Mike, to the audience, thank you very much for listening. Thanks for listening to Movie Maniacs. Download one of our archived episodes. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts by Federated Media.